Hi guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. I hope that you're having an amazing week. I'm honestly exhausted this week. I don't know what it is. I kind of feel like it's because this past weekend was go, go, go. I went to the wedding like I told you guys I was going to go to. That was quite a trip. I have to say the wedding was very, very fun. It was so great to see our family friends. It was so great to celebrate the people getting married. It was amazing to be with my family all together again. That's always one of my favorite things. But the actual trip was hectic. There were delayed flights. The accommodations were definitely memorable. But overall, I had a really great time and made some really amazing memories. So that was really fun. What else is new with me? Guys, I got my first pumpkin drink of the year. That's a big step for me, especially because I feel like it's not even that cold yet. But we are getting into the fall months. The weather is changing slightly, I think. I don't really know. It's kind of the in-between. You're not really sure what to wear. It's like you could wear shorts and a long sleeve, which honestly, I kind of like that combination. So no real complaints here. The other thing that's new with me is that I have been watching literally all of the Met Gala videos. I know that the Met Gala was last week. I'm well aware. But I am definitely a person that needs time to digest it all. Not just the looks, but like how people get ready, how they decide their looks, them working with the designers. Vogue has put out so much great content on YouTube to be able to go through all of that. It's something that I love so much just to get that inside peek on how these celebrities are getting ready for the Met Gala. I've also watched a lot of Emma Chamberlain's hosting videos, which I think are great. I'm so happy that Vogue partnered with her to be an interviewer for the Met Gala because one, you can tell how genuinely excited she is to be there. It's her first Met Gala. I'm sure it's not going to be her last. She was wearing Louis Vuitton. She looked gorgeous. And I love her interviews. They were just so authentic. She was genuinely happy to get to know people. Some of the conversations were a little bit similar, but I don't know. I just felt like she was being her authentic self, which was great to see. And again, it just makes the Met Gala a tiny bit more accessible and like they're real people because guys, they are celebrities, influencers, everybody. They're real people. The last thing that's new with me is, of course, I have been following the Inspiration4 mission. If you guys don't remember, that is a SpaceX mission that I was hoping to be on. I did not get to go, obviously, because I was not on the mission. But if you guys have been following, it went up, it came back, everything was a success. And I am sure that the four people on that mission, their lives are probably changed forever. So I'm happy for them. I'm excited that they got to go, that they got to experience space. I'm next, guys. Manifest it and it will happen. That's pretty much all that's new with me. Like I said from last week, just trying to manage the stress levels, kind of just trying to chill out a little bit, you know, motivate myself in different ways, do all the things that we love to do. One of the ways that I can do that is by getting into this podcast with you even further. So with that, let's get right into what's hot this week. First up, the Emmys were on Sunday, and while I unfortunately did not get to watch them because I was on an airplane, I did get a lot of the recaps, I've watched a lot of the videos of acceptance speeches, and if you guys did not watch, The Crown and Ted Lasso pretty much took the cake. The Crown is a show that I still need to watch that I am pretty positive that I would love. Ted Lasso... I know that I love because I do watch it. So I'm so happy for all of the winners of Ted Lasso. I'm going to go through a quick list of winners for you guys. If you care or if you find yourself in a conversation with somebody wanting to discuss the Emmys, you'll have a tiny piece of knowledge from it. So here you go. 
the Emmy Awards 2021 list of winners from Variety.com. The winner for a limited series, The Queen's Gambit. I talked about this show. You guys know I'm obsessed with it. If you haven't seen The Queen's Gambit yet on Netflix, what are you doing? Actually, no, I'm actually jealous of you if you haven't seen it yet because you have an entire limited series to watch that is premium, premium content. Next, winner in a drama series, The Crown. You're going to hear that show name multiple times again. Winner in a comedy series, Ted Lasso. Again, so happy for them. Winner of variety special pre-recorded, Hamilton. Still haven't seen it, still need to check it out. Winner of a variety special live, Stephen Colbert's Election Night 2020. Democracy's Last Stand, Building Back America, Great Again Better 2020. Winner of a lead actor in a drama series, Josh O'Connor from The Crown. Lead actress in a drama series, Olivia Coleman, The Crown. Lead actor in a limited series or movie, Ewan McGregor, Halston. Lead actress in a limited series or movie, Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown. Winner of Outstanding Writing for a Limited Series or Anthology Series or Movie, I May Destroy You, written by Michaela Cole. Outstanding Directing for a Limited Series or Anthology Series or Movie, The Queen's Gambit, directed by Scott Frank. Winner of Competition Program, RuPaul's Drag Race. Winner of Lead Actor in a Comedy Series, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso. It kind of seemed like he was not expecting to win, which I feel like he totally should have been expecting to win, but nonetheless, very happy for him. Winner of Lead Actress in a Comedy Series, Gene Smart, Hacks. Directing for a Comedy Series, Hacks, There Is No Line, The Pilot. Directed by Lucia Agnello. Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series, Hacks. Written by Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky. Winner of Variety Sketch Series, Saturday Night Live. Winner of Variety Talk Series, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Winner of Outstanding Writing for Variety Series, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. With a ton of writers, Jonathan Appel, Ali Barthwell, Tim Carvel, Liz Haynes, Greg Iwinski, Mark Kramer, Daniel O'Brien, John Oliver, Owen Parsons, Charlie Redd, Joanna Rothkopf, Chrissy Shackleford, Ben Silva, Cena Valley. I hope I pronounced all those right. This just shows how many writers go into this. Such a tall task. Winner of Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, Tobias Menzies for The Crown. Winner of Supporting Actress in a Drama Series, Gillian Anderson, The Crown. Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series, The Crown, directed by Jessica Hobbs. Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series, The Crown, written by Peter Morgan. Supporting Actor in a Limited Series or Movie, Evan Peterson, Mayor of Easttown. Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie, Julianne Nicholson, Mayor of Easttown. Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, Brett Goldstein, Ted Lasso. I'm so happy about this one. This is Roy Kent. I think he also didn't think that he was going to win, but I am so ecstatic that he did. I love his character. I feel like everyone does. Next, supporting actress in a comedy series, Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso. By far one of the best speeches I've ever heard. I just love when they're so, so excited to win an award. You know, like they're genuinely so shocked and excited and overcome with emotion 
so much so that it feels just more authentic, you know? It doesn't even feel like it's this huge prestigious thing. I mean, it is, and that's why they're so excited about it. But it just feels like they're genuinely happy to be there and happy to be recognized and ecstatic that they're given this award. I love her. When she said the line, there is no Rebecca without Keely. If you know, you know. That one pulled at my heartstrings for sure. This cast, there's something about it. They just seem so close. And I love when you can see that from a cast. I love when you can see the genuine respect that they have for one another. It's just awesome. And it totally showed with her speech. That's it. That's your list of winners. Again, if you did not catch it, but you want to see recaps or you want to see speeches, because the speeches are one of my two favorite parts. So to go see the speeches, just check them out on YouTube. And now for my second favorite part of the Emmys, the fashion. Vogue put together a list of their best dressed, and yes, I do respect Vogue, and a lot of times our opinions do happen to align with the fashion department. So I'm going to read these to you guys, and whether you like the fit or not, I would definitely suggest checking it out and just formulating your own opinion, because I did feel like people showed up and showed out for these Emmys. So first up, Elizabeth Olsen in the Row and Chopard Jewelry. I think it's really beautiful and sophisticated. She's supporting her sister's brand, which, guys, we love to see siblings supporting siblings. It's this really nice cream color, very elegant. Next, Journey Smollett in Dior Hot Couture. Guys, Dior came through for the Emmys. I loved so many of the looks that walked. This one is a three-tiered dress, very pretty. Again, a cream color. A lot of neutrals so far. Next, Cynthia Erivo in Louis Vuitton. A very sleek, whitish cream silhouette. And then at the bottom, feathers on feathers. Colorful blue and green. Definitely one where you'd turn your eyes. Next, Allison Janney in Ozzy and Asta. She just looks so regal. Again, a creamy white. Not a lot of color so far. A little bit in the last one. But not a lot so far. But nonetheless, she seriously looks stunning. I love the sleeve. It's just such a sophisticated look. Next, Jillian Anderson in Chloe. Another cream color. She has these fringe kind of things going off the top and also fringe on the bottom of the skirt part. It's a two-part outfit, top and bottom. I think it's actually a really interesting look and something pretty different, so I liked it. Next up, Carrie Washington in Etro. Oh my gosh, she's stunning. The silk, the color. I love that kind of purplish color. It's really pretty. Some details in the front, the slicked back pony. Carrie Washington is just a vision. Issa Rae in Aliette. The mesh with the underbody suit. I feel like that's very popular for a lot of these award shows. She looks gorgeous. Nicole Byer in Christian Siriano. I actually really love the color on this one. I feel like I've kind of been obsessed with this specific color of purple too. So Nicole Byer, represent with that Christian Siriano dress because that is definitely a statement piece. Next, Emerald Fennel and Valentino. This gown looks like it probably took so long to make because there's so many delicate jewels on it. And there's the green accents, the little hearts. I think it's a really fun one and definitely a lot of craftsmanship went into creating this. Next up, Emma Corrin in Mew Mew. This look has definitely stood out and it's really such a simple silhouette on its own, but paired with the gloves and the headpiece and even the color, it's muted but it's like a slightly off color. It's more eggshell than cream. It's really kind of beautiful, and there's something about it that you just don't want to look away. 
So props to her for even exploring something like this because I feel like most people would not go for a look like this, but she can do it. And if you haven't seen this look yet, make sure to look at her nails. Those are some daggers. Next, Beanie Feldstein and Brandon Maxwell. Very fun. It looks like some belted dresses are back. We saw that a couple times on the red carpet for the Emmys. That special sparkle kind of pinky peach is really fun. I feel like I've gotten my nails done that color before. I wouldn't mind that color in a dress for myself. Next up, Anya Taylor-Joy and Dior Hot Couture. The cape, the cape, the cape. I need this cape. If you guys don't know, my favorite color is yellow, and I'm obsessed with this. I'm obsessed with this yellow. I just loved this one. And the dress underneath is pretty simple, a cream color again. Of course, Anya Taylor-Joy herself looked fabulous with the high bun and the red lip, but for me, it was the cape I needed. Next, Michaela Cole and Christopher John Rogers. The neon color, I love it. She's rocking the two-piece. I love that the shoes actually match because I feel like a lot of times, even the ones that were at this Emmys, their colors do not match quite right. And it's like you either have to go really far off with the colors or match them perfectly. And hers matched. Next, Yara Shahidi and Dior Hot Couture. I love this color green paired with the brown shoe. She just looks so beautiful and elegant, kind of old Hollywood. I love it. I think she looks gorgeous. Next, A.D. Bryan and Simone Racha. This gives me major fall vibes. Her hair looks gorgeous too. Very long, very luscious. And guys, I don't know if it's a popular opinion or not, but I actually really like this color green too. This kind of army green. It just reminds me so much of fall and I feel like it looks really good with her hair color. Next up, Tracy Ellis Ross and Valentino Hawkatour. I saw her interview with Emma Chamberlain. She just seems like genuinely one of the nicest people. She showed up in that red gown. I think she looks beautiful, and I feel like she's just a person that you would want to hang out with at the Emmys. She just seems fun and like really good energy. Next, Sarah Paulson and Carolina Herrera. I love the sleeves. I love the neckline. I think it looks really beautiful, and I love the short hair on her. I think she just looks stunning. Next, Jean Smart and Ralph Lauren. Beautiful black gown with the high neck, the mesh. She looks really elegant, and the mesh gave it a little bit of a unique touch, too. We're getting down to the end here, guys, for Vogue's top list. Josh O'Connor in low. So I think that he nailed it. The long coattail, the tailoring is obviously amazing on this. The neck piece, everything, I just feel like it's a little bit different, and it's still that classic black color, which I personally am always a fan of. Also, he was the only guy that made Vogue's list, so congratulations to you, Josh O'Connor. And lastly, Olivia Coleman in Roxonda. These kind of looks are somewhat stable for her at this point. I just feel like she pulls it off the best. She looks comfortable. She looks elegant. She looks like she's very much herself. So I think that she looks really pretty. I love the touch of peach color on the top. I'm sure that she was staying peachy throughout the whole night. So that is it for Vogue's Best Dress Stars at the 2021 Primetime Emmy Awards. They definitely had some of my favorite looks in there. My biggest takeaway from this, if you couldn't already tell from before, I need the yellow Dior cape so badly in my life. That wraps up the Emmy content and that wraps up what's hot. So let's get right into what's good. I watched a film on the plane, but you guys can watch it on Hulu if you would like to watch it. It is called The Orange Years, The Nickelodeon Story. 
it is very interesting. You guys know me. I love my documentaries, especially when they're done in an entertaining way. And I feel like if you don't like documentaries, then these short snippets of them help because you don't ever have to watch it if you don't want to. I will try to give you guys a good summary of the entire thing so you can decide for yourself if this seems interesting to you or if it seems like a wash. So here's Google's summary. A chronicle of the Nickelodeon network's rise through interviews with the actors and creators of some of the network's most popular shows. So that's obviously a very short summary, but essentially that is what it is. It kind of takes you through the creation of Nickelodeon, the different phases, the different shows. It brings in a lot of the old actors, which is really fun. It even talks you through the logo that they specifically created an ever-changing logo similar to MTV because they wanted to keep it fresh all the time. But the thing that had to remain constant was that orange color. And they picked orange because it's a happy color that goes with nothing, which I thought was so funny and true. Because you think of my favorite color, yellow, and yellow goes with a lot. At least to me, I think yellow is one of those colors that if you add it to something, it brightens up everything. But orange is a very standout color. If there's orange on a page, you're looking at the orange, you know? So I thought that was a pretty cool, interesting decision that they made initially. They also talk a lot about pushing the edge. They focus on the television exec, Geraldine Laybourne, who essentially turned Nickelodeon into what it became, what it even is now. There is so much of her influence, at least what they show in the documentary, shows that she was really at the forefront of innovation at Nickelodeon and having them compete with things like Disney in really unique ways. Like Nickelodeon had so many of the game shows. They kept saying this over and over, but they wanted to make Nickelodeon a place where kids could just be who they were, where it wasn't condescending to them, which I thought was really interesting because I think as a consumer, you don't think about that. Like even when you're a kid, you don't think about the fact that the content that you want to watch, you want it to feel like it is very much for you not created for the demographic of kids if that makes sense you know it's like not people looking down on you it's like people understanding your experiences at the same level as you and if you don't have kids creating those shows you have to work kind of extra hard to remember what was it like when I was a kid how did I feel what things did I want to watch what was I watching that I felt like oh this is boring this is a quote kids show because as a kid you don't really want to watch a kids show Like, it's a kid's show, but it has elements of people going through the same thing as you, which is what I feel like people relate to the most. It was also interesting to find out that for those game shows, when kids got slimed on it, the kids got an extra $50. I think that's just, like, a funny tidbit that you, like, wouldn't think that they'd get paid more to get slimed because I feel like everyone wanted to get slimed. I also thought what was really great about this documentary is that, like I was saying, they take you through so much of the creation of those shows that you know and love like Rugrats all that Keenan and Kel a lot of them you don't get to see which I feel like throughout the documentary you're kind of just waiting for your favorite Nickelodeon show that you watched as a kid to pop up but you do get to see quite a few and you get to see a lot of the actors and the creators of the show talk on it which I think is really cool like for Rugrats they were talking about the creation of that and they were talking about how they drew the babies to be ugly and the thought process behind that was just because If you think about it, when babies are like baby babies, like really babies, they can be kind of ugly, which I think is a hilarious thing to bring into this show. Like I watched Rugrats when I was little and I loved that show so much. And I didn't even think about the fact that these babies are ugly on the show. 
Some are even terrifying. Those twins are scary. And it's just cool to be reminded that those are very, very intentional decisions that are being made that led to the success of so many of these shows. Towards the end of the documentary, they also talked a lot about how they went into product more. Products, like, I have no idea if you guys remember, but GAC, Flome, also just, like, differences in products. Like, their video cassettes were orange to set them apart, make them a little bit different. But then they talk about more getting into licensing and how when these shows got bigger, like SpongeBob, Dora the Explorer, people wanted more products surrounding them. And that's when Nickelodeon got a little bit further away from what they initially wanted. At least that's how they speak about it in the documentary. Obviously, so many of these documentaries are incredibly biased. But for the people that were interviewed, it did seem like they were kind of bummed out about the fact that Nickelodeon got so into product and less into creative exploration. But it is important to note that I think pretty much everybody in this documentary were former employees or former actors or former creators. So that probably definitely influences their opinion on where Nickelodeon stands now versus where it was when they were working there. Also, it ends with the fact that Geraldine Laybourne, which was the exec that pretty much changed everything according to everyone, she went to Disney. An interesting little factoid there too. But anyways, all in all, I do think that it was entertaining. It gave pretty good insight into how it all started. It was really fun to hear about all the different shows. I think it's a really fun watch if you want to learn more about Nickelodeon. Or if you were a Nickelodeon kid back in the day, you loved a lot of these shows. It's kind of like a walk down memory lane. Again, it's called The Orange Years, The Nickelodeon Story, and it's on Hulu. Next up for What's Good, I have three dresses for you guys from Princess Polly. And honestly, guys, a lot of YouTubers that I watch have like 20% discount codes. So if you're going to make a purchase, go on YouTube, find an influencer that sponsors Princess Polly, and you can get 20% off for yourself. I don't have a discount code for you guys, unfortunately, but I'm just saying a lot of YouTubers do. So check that out before you purchase. You can save yourself some dollars. The first dress that I want to talk to you guys about, it is called the Jagger and Stone, the Live Mini Dress. Guys, this dress is so cute, so unique, but also a staple at the same time. It's black, it's fitted, it has these really dramatic long sleeves. I am obsessed with it, but I will say I feel like it runs a little bit big because I got my true size in this, and this dress was a little bit big on me, so I have to get it tailored. So for this one, I would say recommend sizing down, but it's gorgeous and I cannot wait to wear it. I feel like it is perfect for fall and winter. The next dress that I got is called the Vila Mini Dress in White. Okay, this is definitely seemingly more of a summer dress, but it's long sleeves, so I definitely feel like I can pull this off with a little bit of over-the-knee boots. I have these very cute over-the-knee boots that I feel like would go perfect with this dress. I just love the detail on this one. There's like this tie. It's kind of fitted on the top and a little bit flowier on the bottom. Again, fun sleeves, not dramatic, but just a little bit different. I also love the neckline. It's just really cute. It also comes in black and burgundy. I wanted the burgundy one initially, but they didn't have my size. So I went with white, and honestly, I'm very happy with it because I don't have a lot of white dresses. The last dress from Princess Polly is the Arrow Midi Dress in Red. It's form-fitting, it's long, it has a slit on the side... It has an interesting asymmetrical neckline. It has spaghetti straps. It's so pretty. And the fabric is really nice. Like it's a comfortable dress to wear, which I'm all for. So if you are in need of some dresses, check out Princess Polly because guys, their selection is on point. Last up for what's good, your songs. Falling Up 
by Mountain Men, spelled M-T-N-M-E-N, Wish You Were Here by The World of Birds, and the last one is a song that I'm pretty sure I put in my episode All About Me as one of my favorite songs, but it's not currently on the playlist, so I thought I'd add it in, Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron and Wine. All fantastic songs and kind of a bird flying, falling theme going on, which very loosely brings us to need to know basis. Because guys, I've been thinking a lot. Mostly I was thinking on the airplane because, you know, you're up in the air, you're flying up, you have a different perspective on things up there. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like whenever I'm in a plane, I suddenly start to think a lot about the bigger picture. Like even something that I found really interesting for myself the last time that I flew is that in some instances before this past time, I've been a little bit scared of flying. I don't know what it is, but like as I've gotten older, there's something about flying that just makes me a little bit more anxious. Maybe it's because I'm just more aware of the situation that I'm in. But this last time that I flew, I was thinking about how much I want to go to space, right? Like you guys know this, I want to go to space so bad one day. And I kept thinking to myself, this flight is getting you closer and closer to space. Okay, and this might not be a sentiment that a lot of people share with me because I know a lot of people don't want to go to space. They want to stay exactly where they are on the ground, two feet on the floor. But for me, I actually genuinely want to go to space one day. So I was just thinking, sitting in my seat on the airplane, don't be nervous about flying. This is nothing in comparison to what your journey to space will be one day. And not only that, every time you're up in the air, you are quite literally closer to space than you ever are on a normal day. So then that thought process got me thinking about other things that I know that I really want to accomplish or do in my life. And what are things that maybe seem scary, but in reality are just getting you closer and closer to doing the thing that you eventually want to do. So yeah, I know that flying in a plane does not technically get me closer to my space journey, but it makes me more comfortable in the process of going. And guys, I have to say, I have been listening to a lot of motivational speeches lately, but one that I was listening to was with Denzel Washington, and he gives a speech about falling forward. And it's a really famous speech. You guys can definitely look it up. A lot of times they put very dramatic, inspirational music behind it. But it's essentially talking about the concept that we're all going to fall. We're all going to fall short in some way. We're all going to fail. There are always going to be things that are debilitating in some way. But if you fall forward, you're getting closer to the thing that you want to get to. You're not falling backwards. You're not digressing. You're falling forwards. You're learning. You're taking your failures, you're taking your successes, you're taking your fears, you're taking the things that you know could potentially set you back, and you're learning from them, you're falling forward. And within the speech, he says something that he said he heard from his wife, but then I looked it up and I was like, I think Thomas Jefferson originally said this, and the quote is, if you want to get something you've never had, you have to be willing to do something you've never done. I think that is such a powerful quote. And for me, again, when I was sitting on the plane, I was really thinking about it in relation to like, you have to keep doing things that make you feel uncomfortable in order to get closer to that other thing. Which in my case, my big dream that sometimes people laugh at of getting to go to space, it's a big dream. Like, obviously, it's a really big dream. But even to just get past little fears, like flying on an airplane and recognizing that tackling that small fear is going to help with the bigger picture of it all is something that I feel like 
we can relate to on so many different levels in so many different aspects of our lives. Because you have to get past old things to do new things to then do the things that you want to do for everything. If you don't conquer the things that are right in front of you, you're never going to get to the next step. And then how will you ever progress? And I think too, you can relate this so much to like finding a career path or making a big move or really taking any sort of a risk in your life. If you're not willing to even try it, how are you going to get what you want out of it? You know, I think that holds people back a lot, actually. Just not even being willing to try. To try to get over something, to try to start something new. You have to be willing to try. I think a lot of people are held back by just that initial step, that initial leap. But sometimes you have to leap to fly. And if you fall, in the wise words of Denzel Washington, fall forward. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode and thank you for listening to my random airplane thoughts and rants. I swear when you're up there, you start having thoughts about things that you never thought about before. It's a really great place to think. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week, an awesome weekend. Say something nice to a stranger, compliment somebody's outfit, watch some good content that makes you happy. Fly high, fall forward, and don't forget to stay peachy, my friends. (laughs) 